0: Anyway, so we've got 18 films on this list right? of John Carpenter movies. Have I introduced this well enough? Yeah, yeah, I think so. So we've got 18 films. So this is going to be like what we're going to do for the rest of the show. I think. Mm-hmm. Welcome to part two. Feature presentation. <laughs> okay, so number 18. What okay. do you think is number 18?
1: Well, number 18, I'm going to guess. Number 18 is The Ward. It's the one I haven't seen. It's the most recent John Carpenter film. But it was one of those ones that I got the impression, I don't want to watch that. It's not going to be any good. And,
0: you, and you're saying that The
1: Ward... Will be also be the worst.
0: Will, one. will be the worst one. Mm. You're wrong. It's not The Ward. Okay. So what do you think it is if it's not The Ward? How are we going to do Oh, this? Escape from LA? No. Oh. No. No. There's 18 films, and let's say, I would say, not all of them are bangers. Sure. But, oh... On, I would see. say this is one of the worst films. I would say this is the worst film. I would agree.
1: Because mm-hmm. I'd say there's stuff in the ward that is actually quite watchable. Uh, the only other one I would say, you, when you, you, Village of the Damned. No, does that count?
0: no, no, that's not. That's not even that bad. It's not that bad. I don't. So well, come on, what's 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 bad? Vampires. No. I mean, these all these are all absolute plausible contenders. But this one, I think, is like almost. But I think maybe you like this. What is it? Ghosts of Mars.
1: Fuck off. Number eighteen. That's a good one. The Ghosts of one. Mars. I
0: don't think it is a good one. Oh, I like Ghosts I don't of think Mars. it is a good one. But Ghosts of Mars is number eighteen on the list. I don't okay. think this. Uh, Listen, it's a bad list. It's a bad list. What do you like about Ghosts of Mars? Why shouldn't that be? 18? Well, I don't
1: know. I'm gonna. Uh, I mean, I'm gonna have to watch all these again. I think Ghosts of Mars was great. I think it's a really fun film. I mean, it does feel like. It's in the later stages of John Carpenter films. Yeah. And I would have put Ghost of Mars above vampires. Again, you've sort of half convinced me in your chat about vampires the other week that maybe I need to revisit vampires. Uh, Like, if you... I felt like, you know, some of his films, by the time In the Mouth of Madness feels like it's a film where he's working with a lower budget. But it's brilliant. It's utterly brilliant.
0: By in the, the mouth of madness. In
1: the mouth of madness.
0: In the mouth of madness does not feel low budget to me. Oh, it does to me. Oh, I think in the mouth of madness. I don't think it's big budget, but no. I don't think it's small budget. No, I
1: think it's like I think it's is, it is, it's exactly. It's doing a lot. It's not. It's not. It's not an A movie. It's a B movie.
0: Um, oh, I think that's been really unkind to In the Mouth of Madness. I, I definitely, definitely, Sam Neill wasn't a huge star. And so you kind of like feel a bit like well, it's a bit like when Sam Neill is in Jurassic Park, mm. and you kind of like go, "This should be Harrison Ford, surely." Right. Do you know what I mean? And it's like I'd say, but but obviously now, because of stuff like Jurassic Park and In the Mouth of Madness, Sam Neill is kind of yeah, like
1: elevated. Um But yeah, when 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 he's sort of working with smaller budgets in those little sort of last few movies that were still coming out, you probably get one every couple of years, right? And. Ghosts of Mars felt like it was on a sort of limited budget. Again, felt very B movie, kind of exploitation movie, but it really fitted in with my kind of, this is a this is a John Carpenter movie, and I really, I, I think it's a proper, sits well in the canon with me, and I like the cast. Um, but I mean, I, I mean, you could say the same thing about Escape from LA, which doesn't work, but he still felt like he's working within this sort of well. Wasn't- world-
0: wasn't ghost of mars meant to be a snake pliskin movie wasn't it i think it was Yeah. wasn't it meant to be the third one and it was going to be called something like escape from escape from mars and uh ice cubes character was meant to basically be snake pliskin and then they just rewrote it or
1: i don't know but maybe maybe that's
0: it i've got a feeling that this is 2001 so kurt russell was kind of doing more prestige things but by then
1: um all right i like but certainly go of mars in my memory we're gonna i mean we're gonna revisit all of these 2001's go of mars that's 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 on the list i think i i can sort of see i know some people don't like it i like go of mars okay well
0: where would you okay well then we'll have to do like you need a piece of paper and a pen and you need to start ranking that's ranking no i don't think i i i think ranking is beneath me um Right. Okay. So the ward, the ward. Oh no! I've just told you what. The so next that's the one next one. Is. Okay. Yeah. I haven't
1: seen that film. It's on my. That's on my to see list. Mm. Um. I. It's disappointing that that's one of the ones I've got left to see mm. because I don't think it's going to be a good one.
0: I think it starts all right. I can't remember much about it. I remember what the, the thing that's most striking about it, and you see it in later Dario Argento films, you see it in later Brian De Palma films. Mm-hmm. That you know, people like Spielberg sort of like grew and grew and grew, and they got to really exercise uh, their interests and 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 uh, really sort of like their their sandbox of things to play with seemed to grow over their career. And then you see, um, you know, like when St- Spielberg did West Side Story, you kind of like go, "Oh my God, surely you should have been making musicals all along," you know, um, but. So so with every Spielberg you have, or with every Scorsese as well, who who really has to fight to make his films, but his films have a seal of quality to them that kind of like doesn't really sort of dip. Whereas De Palma, uh, John Carpenter, Dario Argento, they're such stylish filmmakers that when the budget went, the first thing to go was a lot of the style. And the style is really what elevates those mm. filmmakers. You know, um, I wouldn't say John Carpenter's really included with that, but like Brian De Palma and Argento, it's kind of like their stories are often very flimsy. Mm-hmm. And, um, and it's not really about the narrative that they're telling. It's about kind of like the visual spectacle that they're taking you on. And especially with like later De Palma films, with films like Domino, you like watch them, and it's almost unrecognisable. Occasionally there'll be a sequence you get a glimpse of it. De Palma esque.
1: Or they're trying to achieve something that you. There's an attempt to achieve something that you go. I know what you're trying to do, and if you had a budget for it, you could achieve this so much better. Yeah, but as you well.
0: but you can't. You don't have the days. You don't have the, the man hours to film it. It's kind of like you It's. Or every, you're doing your best with what you got mm. but it's kind of like it, and so when you see something like The Ward the thing that's most sort of like th- that reminds me the thing that was most jarring about it was that a lot of the style is all stripped back and it feels kind of <coughs> it feels like it was 2010 yeah, and it feels like a kind of uh, starring Amber Heard and, it, um, and, it, and it's got kind of like um, a TV movie quality to it.
1: Yeah, and it seemed to come out like. So Ghost of Mars was 2002. 2001. 2001. Vampires, maybe 2003, then, around then? I think Vampires was 90s. Oh, was it? I thought Ghost of Mars was. Uh, I think Vampires was. Um, I was guessing. Maybe. I think Vampires was 99. Right. Oh, in fact, I
0: can find out, can
1: I? Well, don't. No, I've got, I've got the. Um, yeah, but don't. Okay. Right. The Ward. But then I'd also say that at the time, I remember The Ward. Well, I don't remember The Ward coming out. I remember it being, so has John Carpenter stopped making films for a long, long time? And then there almost being this thing where it's like, oh, something's on The Ward, and I don't know what that is. And someone's saying, it's the new John Carpenter film, being like, what? Mm. What? Mm. And then not recognising it as such. And also, when you see all the stuff for it going, oh, that's not a John Carpenter film, is it? That's a film that... John Carpenter has been hired to direct, and mm. it's not. Um, I
0: think I think that probably he hadn't directed in a while, and he, it was a paycheck, and also it was just like, yeah, I would go back and do it. And he's like, nah. The fact that he's embraced music and sort of like, he mm-hmm. basically writes, he basically now he writes film scores for films that he, he's yeah. not
1: made. But they always sound like great films. <laughs> they sound
0: amazing. I always put on John Carpenter music when I'm <laughs> writing, because it's just like, oh, my God. Um, All right, number 16 on this list.
1: Okay, uh, Vampires. Yes. Yes.
0: 1998. (laughs) Vampires was 1998. I watched it recently. I watched it recently. I never really liked Vampires. I tried to sit through it many times, uh, but what I really enjoyed about it the last time I watched it was it's like uh, Jeremy Clarkson and the other two (laughs) (laughs) cunts. James Woods is Jeremy Clarkson. He's got a pair of jeans that are pulled right the way up to his armpits. He's chewing the scenery, and it's basically like a, a dad's adventure. It's like whatever middle-aged men in the <laughs> late nineties thought was cool, you know. It's like strip clubs, prostitutes, James swearing, Woods. James Woods, matchstick. It. It's, it's the kind of it's it's a movie that is made for guys that walk around with a matchstick in their mouth. <laughs> um, it's it's like it's like it's like yeah, it's kind of like a um a masculine fantasy and you see like the male ego laid bare and it is pathetic (laughs) and it's and it's and i find it i found it really enjoyable on that level where it's just kind of like it's the jeremy clarkson vampire hunter movie (laughs) um I really, yeah, I really enjoyed Vampires when I saw it recently. And I think what it is, is the story isn't particularly engaging. It's a bit of a Western that he's made, a modern day Western. But, um, uh, yeah, but it's kind of, um, uh, it's it's James Woods' performance that really sort of, like, gets you through that movie. Well, James Woods. And and it's always, it's it's the sort of thing that if you have it on in the background and you're just going to, like, you know, Nothing will grab your attention enough to make you watch it. But if you sit down, focus, and enjoy it, there's loads
1: to really James enjoy. James Woods it. is one of those people who appears to have some kind of quite, you know, fruity opinions and saying mad things I online. Think now. He's
0: probably a terrible human being.
1: But I would say James Woods <laughs> exists in that same world as someone like Nicolas Cage does, in that he was a his performances were always something else. James Woods
0: is a there's uh you know you see the specialist it's still stallone and sharon stone teaming up for the first time there's a there's a sex scene in the in the shower there's uh, uh you've got rod steiger doing like this over the top huge kind of like mm-hmm. um latino accent you have got eric roberts in it and the guy that walks away with the movie is james woods he goes up to a <laughs> He goes up to uh, a, an 80-year-old dead woman at her funeral and he shouts bitch in her face. <laughs> <laughs> it's incredible. I, like, uh, what it? Eric ri- Roberts
1: pops up as uh, Margot Robbie's dad in Babylon. Oh,
0: that's great. I lo- yeah, I, nice to see I him. love seeing Eric Roberts. Yeah, Every too. time he pops up, like, ah, good for you. Yeah. I like Eric Roberts. Um, yeah, James Woodson, the specialist, is like fantastic. This is kind of specialist era. James yes. Woods, where he's uh, he's dyed his hair, he's uh, he's, he's jet chestnut. Uh, <laughs> it's kind of like you know, it's like the Paul, McCartney the Paul McCartney jet chestnut hair, where he's kind of like he dyed it and it's all gone a little bit uh, auburn, yes. Um, but it's yeah, squirrely, yeah. He's kind of like you've got like, well, James Woods has got ginger hair in vampires. <laughs> Whenever the sun shines through it, he's got this red, beautiful mop of red is hair.
1: It, is it view to a kill where uh. Uh, Roger Moore is getting on a bit and they've sort of dyed his hair and it's like that's like he's got ginger hair in one of them
0: right I I mean I I probably haven't seen it I, do, I, do, I don't give a shit about James Bond is it Man with the Golden Gun no is it Diamonds are Forever no No, those are the two worst Bond films aren't they they're my favourites <laughs> um, yeah sure I don't know but yeah James Woods has got a, a dye job in Vampires yeah it's great
1: uh, so it's not, not great
0: it's not great Stuff like Starman grabbed me by the heart, and I watched the whole thing just sort of like watched it as a movie. Whereas Vampires is something that I am appreciating because John Carpenter made it, okay. but I would avoid it for the rest of my life if it hadn't, if it hadn't been for him. What's fifteen? What do you think fifteen is?
1: Escape from LA. No,
0: oh. you've already said it, though.
1: Oh, have I? Yeah. Go. It's not a, and It's miles, an it's not obscure not the ward. one. Elvis. No. Uh, oh. Uh, no, I don't know.
0: Um, Village of the Damned.
1: Village of the Damned.
0: <laughs> I wasn't sure if that was that a TV movie. Um, yeah, I think it was. It wasn't. I don't. I. I don't remember it being kind of like. I always get Village of the Damned mixed up with Children of the Corn. Right. But Village of the Damned is a remake of the black and white British movie yeah, right. Village of the Damned. Which uh, you've got Village of the Damned and Children of the Damned. Yeah, so and both those, based on those movies, the black and white originals, those movies are fucking great. They're they are really brilliant. great. John Carpenter's Mid-Witch Village Cuckoos of the Damned uh,
1: is a book, John Wyndham book, right. did the Triffids. Uh I I, I like that story. It's Kirsty Alley and Christopher Reeve, both sort of past big being big stars.
0: Right. With Mark Hamill in it, right? Mark yeah, Hammill's Mark Hamill. Yeah,
1: it definitely has its moments, though. It's not. It's not a terrible movie. It's just a bit like. It's actually. It's quite likable. I don't dislike it. I'd say. I, I'm. I'm. Uh, I don't think it's a great movie, but I think it's quite a watchable fun yeah. film.
0: Yeah, I mean, I don't have any memories of watching it. I've got it on Blu-ray, and I don't have any. There's memories There's
1: a nice of watching bit because a lot of the a lot of it involves this kind of. What, what the plot of it is, there's uh, a town or a village in the book that's, that's like a small town in America, and what happens is something happens where this town basically falls asleep all at once. They basically collapse, and hours later, people are brought in. This is a really strange phenomenon. Uh, everyone seems to be fine. What you find out in the coming weeks are all the women there are pregnant at this time they're asleep. And they've basically been impregnated by some sort of alien entity or something. And that's the premise. But it has a nice And bit. all
0: the children are born and they all have like these uh, bright white bowl yeah. cuts and shiny eyes. Yes. And they're all really well behaved. Like They're not really well behaved. They're really well mannered and like eerily mannered. And uh, they have like these silver shiny eyes and... Um, and they're very sinister. These kids growing to very sinister um, kids. One
1: of the nice sort of extra bits of adding a little bit of a horror element for keeping modern audiences on their toes is it has a nice moment. Whereas, where everyone falls asleep immediately in Village of the Dam, the other bit sticks in my mind is um, it cuts to uh, one of the people that's fallen asleep is just someone who's doing a barbecue and has basically barbecued themselves. Yes, that's right, yeah.
0: And isn't the fact... Can't they smell... The, uh, meat? Yes, they can smell meat cooking. Um, right, OK, number 14, number 14. This is hard.
1: This is hard.
0: Well, this one is hard, I think, because I don't even really consider this a John Carpenter film. Oh. It's like... It's got none of the hallmarks of John Carpenter. He didn't enjoy making it. Uh, it's got a difficult star, and uh, it was a flop. Although, it did... Mean that he would meet the guy that starred in his next movie. Ooh. Oh, oh, no, I'm good. I give up. Memoirs of an Invisible Man oh. with Sam Neill playing the bad guy, and of uh, and he went on to be the lead in um, In the Mouth Madness.
1: Have you seen Memoirs of an Invisible Man? I saw it at the Trocadero Cinema when it Memoirs, came out.
0: Memoirs of an Invisible Man, 1992, uh, Chevy Chase movie. Uh, starring Chevy Chase, Daryl Hannah, and I don't think I've seen it. I've seen it all. I have seen it all. I've not seen it all in one go. I've seen like halfway through on telly, I've seen the beginning on telly, I've seen bits. Like I, I thought it was meant to be like a comedy, but it was actually Chevy Chase didn't want to be a comedian in this film, and so it's like uh, he wanted to be kind of like a str- like even Cary Grant when he was in North by Northwest was still funny. Mm. Chevy chase is like i want to be like Cary grant but i'm not going to do any of the light comedy stuff and so it's kind of a bit of a heavy performance
1: i don't i might not have seen it since it came out um i feel like i must have reviewed, it but maybe that's telling that it probably wasn't very good a weird i don't remember it-, it i don't I certainly don't remember disliking it I, so it doesn't feel like i was like So I probably haven't seen this since I was about 13. I don't remember thinking it was bad.
0: It was a big special effects film because they kind of like did loads of kind of invisibility special effects. 1992, before Jurassic Park, I Mm -hmm. think it was sort of uh, the technology that they used in Terminator 2 and The Abyss kind of why Industrial Light and Magic did all of the special effects for this. Um, It was a weird era because I remember like um, Beverly Hills Cop 3 had Eddie Murphy and Eddie Murphy kind of like refused to do comedy. He, and and I started re-watching Beverly Hills Cop 3 the other day. And I was absolutely gobsmacked at how straight Eddie Murphy is playing. Like he there's it takes about 10 minutes for him to smile. And then when he does smile, it's kind of like um when he does smile, it's kind of like he's being forced at gunpoint to smile. And so with Beverly Hills Cop 3, what you got is you've got all these John Landis is trying to create comedy all around him because Eddie Murphy is refusing to be, and that's, that's the opposite of what Beverly Hills Cop is, right? Beverly Hills Cop is like everyone being straight and then Eddie Murphy making fun of everything and Beverly Hills Cop three is, everything is crazy around him and Eddie Murphy is being straight. And so I think there was a thing in the early 90s where all these com- com- comic actors were like, no, I want to be taken legitimately. Mm-hmm. I, that's where all the money is. And so Cherry Chase has made this, on paper, madcap caper movie where he turns invisible and he's on the run and all this other stuff and when you watch it it's actually quite like tedious to get through it's kind of I would I mean
1: that wild and crazy guy's book kind of chronicles all that stuff really well I think yeah
0: that that was uh, by Nick Sommelier yeah Um, yeah I am yeah Memoirs of Invisible Man I, I barely consider a John Carpenter film. He, no. I think he lost control of the film, and he really didn't enjoy making I it. I
1: forget it is. Um, I again, I'll be interested in rewatching that. Um, I feel like it isn't. Yeah, it doesn't really feel like one. I think I, I remember being aware that it was a John Carpenter film when I watched it though, or maybe being surprised at that, like being having this awareness, like oh, this is a John Carpenter.
0: Yeah, I think it. it, 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 But again, that's one of his like swings and misses for like going going legitimate Mm. and mainstream. But also, you know, I get flashbacks to that fucking terrible Chevy Chase movie, Oh Heavenly Dog, where Chevy Chase dies and comes back as a dog, and then it's basically a dog, and Chevy Chase is doing a voiceover for the entire film, and it's kind of like it's shit, right? (laughs) And Memoirs of an Invisible Man is lots of kind of like I think it even starts with. Uh, Chevy Chase doing kind of like a voiceover, like um, you, like we join the action halfway. Through. Let's rewatch it. Yeah. But I, yeah, not a, not a fan of that movie at all, really. Um, and I like Chevy Chase. Okay, mm. um, number thirteen, Escape from LA. No, oh. I know you think Escape from LA is the very bottom of the barrel. You even put it at number eighteen when you were like guessing, right? But. You, there, there are films that are worse than Escape from LA in John Carpenter's oeuvre.
1: Let's think. But I'm also trying to think of what these people in a list would do, not necessarily what I would I think.
0: I think that I think I I think it's pretty bang on. I like, agree
1: with everything really. 13, 13. thirteen. We've still got a lot, to, long way to go. Yeah, got thirteen more. Part of me thinks, do these guys doing a list? I don't know where they would put somewhere. Like, it feels like it's only in the last few years that people have started liking. In the Mouth of Madness. People used to hate that. I don't think anyone watched it. Yeah. So it always I felt like everyone was talking about this thing like it was a bit of a, a bad movie. I saw that at the cinema. I think it was a and flop. And I was like, it's brilliant. I think In the Mouth of
0: Madness was a flop. Uh, it came out when? 93?
1: No, later than that. 95, maybe. 4 or 5. Or five. Okay. Uh,
0: I think it was a, it, it was coming out amongst uh, the... the during that time, CGI had really sort of like, mm. taken hold after Jurassic Park in '93. Like, CGI had really sort of like exploded, and there was like two sorts of films really that were kind of being made. There were these big, kind of, action movies starring people like Stallone, Seagal was in the cinemas, Van Damme was in the cinemas, Schwarzenegger was still in the cinema, uh, and then it was the birth of like the uh, special effects. Uh, extravaganzas where films like independence day were making these big and i think that they managed to shave off they were really clever with the special effects in independence day where they shaved off millions on the budget they would kind of like using miniatures and all this other stuff and and so you'd get these special effects extravaganzas that would kind of like seep into all these b movies that were elevated into a movie pictures and i think that when you kind of like mix it in amongst all of that And then also you'd kind of like get adult drama starring Barbara Streisand as well, like coming out around that time. And then amongst all of that, John Carpenter is making uh, a fairly low budget uh, movie starring Sam Neill, and it didn't really. It it was easily ignored. I don't think I don't think people are reevaluating it and saying it's actually good, or or they are. I don't think they're like reevaluating it because they once thought it was. I think people are watching it for the first time because nobody watched it when it came out. And it is fucking brilliant, but it's not this one. It's not number 13. Prince of Darkness? No, although I'd put that low down, really. Um, Not that low down, actually. No, it's
1: an odd one, isn't it? Prince Um, of Darkness? mm.
0: It's like the third time he's remade the same film. So it's like another siege movie, where he's got Assault on Precinct 13. Even The Thing is kind of that. Uh, uh, then you've got um, Prince of Darkness. What's another one that he's done, which is kind of like?
1: Uh, Assault Precinct 13 um, and
0: uh, Ghost of Mars. Ghost of Mars. Uh, they're all kind of, yeah, they're kind of like a group of people trapped in a building. There's parts of Big Trouble in Little China are that. Mm. that it's a group of people trapped in a building and uh, they're being sieged by people. Um, but, yeah, no. Uh, Elvis? No. Uh, We've talked about it. Christine Christine 19, that seems, 1983 That seems low Yeah it does seem low But I think that I think it's quite An unlikable film Isn't it Yeah
1: There's
0: loads of swearing In it That says me But there's loads of
1: swearing There are And it's quite Like, like It wh- feels Like that feels Weirdly Christine feels Like an 18 certificate film In the Absolutely. way that we were That was on, saying that, that
0: was. My mate Had that rented out uh, in the early 90s on, well, maybe late, no, probably about 1990, 1991, because I was friends with him in primary school and then we didn't hang out in secondary school, went to different secondary schools. So I was round his house and uh, Christine was on. And I just remember that the main character in it is called Cunningham and the bullies used to call him Cunningham. Yeah. And I, I was like, I've never even heard that word before, but I know it's bad. I know it's bad. I might make a career out of it. <laughs> so that, so, but, um, but do you know what I mean like Christine felt like like you say it felt like it was a naughty film to watch you weren't allowed to watch it but it was just, I think the fact that it's John Carpenter is sort of eclipsed by the fact that it's Stephen King I would
1: say as all the ones that have appeared on the list I'm trying to make my own list and put them in some sort of order as we're going along I would say so far Christine is by far my favourite on the list so far I think I, 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 I think it's in prime prime Carpenter territory in the li- and it's 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 a proper feels like a proper cut into film. It's far yeah, as you say, it's far less jolly a film. It's not like a super fun movie. It's dark. It's, it's dark.
0: A be- no, it's the Stephen King film yeah. where you've got kind of like all of the characters are horrible to each other, and then you've got a main character who has kind of like um, <sighs> who gets basically taken apart bit by bit until they are a shell of their former self. They get possessed by um some sort of obsession so the so the main character is like this nerd who buys a car because he's being bullied all the time and he wants to kind of like show off he buys his car he falls in love with this car and then the car becomes jealous and uh, and it's about like obsession and possession and um and i think th- i think the opening of christine is absolutely just fucking incredible um uh, where the car's getting put We talked about it last week, mm. but um, where the car's being put together. Uh, there's some really good bits in it. Um, but I think the fact that it's Stephen King eclipses it slightly because Carrie, he, although it's a Stephen King film, is a Brian De Palma movie. Yeah. And The Shining, the fact that it's Kubrick and he threw out the book and he was just like, no, nah, I'm making a Stanley Kubrick movie. The Shining is all, like, I would say... Stanley Kubrick gets more credit for *The Shining* than even Stephen King does. Mm. Um, Whereas Christine is kind of like—I would say it's probably—it's a silly subject matter as well. It's about a possessed car. Yeah,
1: it sounds—it sounds like not a good idea for. It sounds like a bit of a lame duck, but but it's a dark, really good film.
0: It is good, right? So number twelve, *Escape from LA*. *Escape from LA*. Right, yes. Yes, Finally, finally, *Escape from LA*. I saw that at the cinema. It was awful. Yeah. I... Again, it's one of them films where Bruce Campbell shows up, and you're like, oh, "Come on!" And he's not like he's got makeup all over. You can't tell it's really Bruce Campbell. The performance is sort of like he's in it, and then he's not in it. He gets killed almost as
1: soon as he appears. It's funny because Bruce Campbell, in a way, isn't. It must sort of almost see Kurt Russell as being I could be Kurt Russell. Well,
0: do you know what? It's really weird when you watch. Um, you know, because Bruce Campbell is such a thing and and Army of Darkness is such a favourite film and it was my favourite film. When you see Bruce Campbell's performance in uh in Army of Darkness, it's basically Kurt Russell mm. in Big Trouble in Little China. Yeah. Like Jack Burton and Ash are the same yeah. almost the same character. And also
1: when, when he's saying when he's saying oh Kurt Russell which I didn't know that story, that he was like an Evil Dead Two fan, it kind of makes sense that Kurt Russell's like, Oh, of course I like Evil Dead Two because mm. that's his You know, that's his style, his aesthetic that he's been doing in these performances is very much in tune with like an Evil Dead 2 or something. Kurt Russell must be like, of course, Kurt Russell's like, oh, I love that movie.
0: Well, Kurt Russell is, well, like I said, like Kurt Russell is larger than life. He's like, you know, he can do drama, he can do comedy, he can be the good guy. He can be the bad guy. He can be uh, a comedian. He can be Santa Claus. He can be Santa Claus. He can be deadly serious. <laughs> he can do a John Wayne impression. He can do, do, a, a, Clint he can do a Clint Eastwood impression. <laughs> he
1: can, you know what I mean? He's he, he can be Elvis. Well, I also feel like what the thing is, he's got that thing that I think a lot of actors would be like. I'm not doing that. Whereas it feels like in these Drunk Carpenter films, it does feel like he said, "Well, what I want is I basically want." A John Wayne type and he's gone, Yep, I'll do that. I want a Clint Eastwood type. Yep, I'll do that. And I've got Lee Van Cleef as well. Perfect. Right? We've got like whereas I think a lot of actors would be like, I'm not doing that. I'm my own person. I'm not doing I'm not playing it as another I don't actor.
0: Know. I think that they'd go, right, I know what you mean. I'm gonna yeah. do my version, take. yeah. I'm gonna do my version of uh the, you know, the man with, the going, sure, with no, the man yeah, sure, with no okay. name. You know? Whereas
1: whereas Kurt Russell's gone, I know exactly what you want and I'm going to give you that performance.
0: And so in in Escape from New York, he is Clint Eastwood. He kind of like, he does the voice. And in Big Trouble in Little China, he's John Wayne, and he does that, you know. Okay, right, Escape from LA, yeah, absolutely. Saw that as an cinema. What was it like watching Memoirs of an Invisible Man at the Trocadero? Um,
1: Well, I remember it being fine. Right. Number 11. Prince of Darkness? Yeah, absolutely. Prince of Darkness.
0: Prince of Darkness, What's what? Uh, this is where all of my interests collide. Prince of Darkness was uh, produced by Alive uh, Productions, uh, which was uh, the production company owned by Shep Gordon, mm-hmm. who is Alice Cooper's manager. And Alice Cooper has uh, an extended cameo in Prince of Darkness where he plays uh, a silent uh, member. Basically, Prince of Darkness is a siege movie where... Uh, they find it where it's kind of like finding like a scientific formula for evil. And it's set in a church with Donald Pleasance from uh, Halloween, Escape from New York. Donald Pleasance comes back and he teams up with John Cobbler for Prince of Darkness. Um, he plays like a, a, a priest. And um, there's a, a group of um, mismatched people that are all like held up in a church and the, and the church gets surrounded by members of possessed uh, Uh, Vagrants, and 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 it's kind of like I think there's some really creepy imagery in it. I think it is better than I. Every time I watch it, it's better than I remember it. Um, I've got a fucking huge Prince of Darkness poster in my living room over there.
1: But it's also got that weird thing, yeah. It's sort of it's interdimensional, isn't it? It's 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 like like, um, it's it's
0: it's trying. It's like yeah. It's a it's it's sort of trying to work out where religion and science uh, collide. And if religion and science are kind of like on a graph together, where is evil and what is evil if it's not just religious and spiritual? Yeah, what is there's like interdimensional and it's stuff. Sort of
1: like, is it meant to be like in the future? It's sort of a really odd sort it's of really, payoff, isn't it? It's, it's, a, like a, it's kinda a really weird film.
0: But like, but like all of that stuff about like sticking your face through the mirror and the yeah. w- and, and the, uh, uh, is like it's really weird and it's bizarre. He's
1: got a real quater Massey I know like he's a big Nigel Neil fan. It feels like Nigel Neal kind of. Quite a massy type territory. Yeah. Um, I yeah. I'm not. I always go in. I think what I want it to be is I almost want it to be more religious. I think. I think that other stuff sort of muddies it a bit. I think it's got slight. I think. Like it, the it,
0: it, I think it's it's stupid without being silly. Yeah. It's kind of like you've. There's a big vat of green liquid, and they're like,
1: "That's the devil," and you're like, "What?" <laughs> So I reckon I saw this. I don't know what year I would have seen this, but I certainly saw it after well into being aware of John Carpenter and knowing who and and going into it like this is a this is a big gun one. This is a big gun one that I haven't seen. And when I watched it, I was a bit like, you know, I really love that it's got uh, Donald Pleasance in it. I really love that David Dunn's in it. You go. I love it when he's using these axes he's before, but I remember it's a bit. I like it, but it doesn't quite tick the boxes. But again, I feel like it's something to be discovered. It feels always like I'm missing something with this because I know people love it. And I feel like I want to like it more than I do.
0: When you've overwatched all the other ones, though, this is like a backup where you go, I'll probably, for every five times I'll watch Big Trouble in Little China, (laughs) I'll watch half of Prince of Darkness. (laughs) So I watch it once every ten view. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, but absolutely, I would say that it represents. Oh, absolutely it represents what John Carpenter. Is. I think totally. we're we past the bad movie point. Yeah. And with these, are sort of like yeah. These this is this like, is
1: a John Carpenter movie through and through.
0: Yeah. Okay. So now we're in the top ten. Oh, oh, oh what I would say about um, Prince of Darkness was Alice Cooper was on set and then he said, "Oh, can I have a." You know, can, I, can I be in it or whatever so John Carpenter put him in the movie and then John Carpenter I think went to see him like his show and there's a bit where uh, Alice Cooper gets a mic stand and he um, on stage and in, in you know not in the movie this is this is Alice Cooper's stage Night show yeah. he gets a mic stand and he basically uh, uh, imp- impales a, a member of the crew you know um, and and you see, you know, with your own eyes, you see the microphone, mic stand go, go, in. go in one side and out the other. And John Carpenter was like, I love that gag. And, you know, can we use that? And they were like, brilliant, how we do that? And so there's a bit where all the vagrants are walking down this alleyway, and uh, Alice Cooper picks up a bike. It's like half of a bike. It's a bike wheel with kind of like a spike on the end of it. So it's half a bike. And then they basically use the gag and... Um, and I think he bought it from the state. You know, it was like Alice Cooper's prop, and they adapted it onto a bike, and then they did it like that, which I really like. Um, I think it's really, um, I, I, yeah, I think it's really sweet, and and I love the fact that Alice Cooper's in a
1: John Carpenter movie. Yeah. Um, right, we're in the top ten now. What is number ten? Okay, so I reckon these are all going to be bangers. In the Mouth of Madness. No. Uh... uh Uh, maybe. Big Trouble Little China. No. Uh, uh, Starman. No. Uh, it's not going to be. What's it not going to be? I'm trying to work upwards. It's going to be something. Is it some, one we've mentioned so far? No. Oh, God. What can it be? I consider it. Um,
0: I've rewatched it recently and I think it's absolutely fantastic. I think 10 is really unfair. But when you look at all the others that are on the top 10, you go, okay, maybe. But okay, I think 10 up. is The Fog.
1: The Fog. I think the f-
0: I, saw, I rewatched The Fog recently and I was shocked. I've always kind of written it off. I was shocked by how good it was. The Fog, half of The Fog is a siege movie. We're again in a church. We, I
1: feel like Prince of Darkness is a bit like being there, done that. Do you know what? The Fog, I think, is brilliant. I think it's definitely it's one of those things brilliant. you go, it's brilliant. But the the regularity in which I choose to watch it is far less than the others.
0: And I also think that it's one of those instances where the remake the did sort of damage the original because the remake was so shit. It was kind of like, it reminded me that The Fog existed without me re-watching it. And I was like, yeah, The Fog's a bit shit, isn't it? Um, but I think The Fog is incredible. I yeah, it loved is. it. I loved it. It's uh, What I love about it. Is that it is a ghost story yeah. and it starts off with a, a group of people on the beach by a fire and they're being told a ghost story. And it's about ghost pirates and they come in and they kill these people on the mainland. Again, it's got, such
1: a mad idea. It's got but Tom brilliant.
0: Atkins in it uh, from Halloween three. Um, uh, it's got what's the what's the uh, Adrian Barbo? Mm-hmm. Is that her name? Yes. Uh, she's got her in it She's fantastic in it And I think what they were like Was that The movie was really a, It was um, Adrian Barbeau's movie and Weren't they married At one point I think I think so And Because uh, she's in uh, But she was like A horror staple She mm. was. She's in um, Swamp Thing She's in Swamp Thing She's in uh, Creep show And And um, and uh, yeah, she's brilliant, and uh, isn't she in Escape from New, New York? New yeah. York, yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, and so so she's great in it. And I think it was mainly about her. And I think they kind of like the Jamie Lee Curtis side of things. I think they were just like we don't have enough film, so they kind of built up a B plot, which was Jamie Lee Curtis and Tom Atkins, and uh, and uh, but but the two plots really don't
1: converge that much. The fog feels like. Um a type of stephen king idea but where the fog would be like the mist almost yeah but whereas actually what it is is the fog is very much like you know it is yeah pirate ghosts yeah
0: but it doesn't have like all of the bullshit that stephen king films have where like all of the characters seem to be so cruel and mean to each other it's kind of like i i i like the characters in the fog mm. and i just thought it was br- i uh after i watched it recently You know, I was like, I think I might prefer this to Halloween. Um, I, 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 I obviously, I appreciate Halloween for what it is and what it did, but it's not my favorite. And I think it's really well made. And every time I watch it, I go, "God, this is so much better made than." I think it's because it's like Halloween is a franchise, and I probably enjoy other Halloween movies more than Halloween. Whereas the Fog is like it's just a real oddity, and uh, and it's just a real fun. Enjoyable ghost story, mm-hmm. and it's John Carpenter, and it's got like a lot of the hallmarks that make John Carpenter films. John Carpenter
1: mm-hmm.
0: number nine In the Mouth of Madness. No, I've wow. not, I've not seen this film.
1: Oh, have I seen this
0: film? Probably, but um, i I would also understand if you hadn't.
1: Oh. Oh. Um, so I know you know, I've seen.
0: Um, you probably wouldn't even—it probably wouldn't even occur to you that it's a John Carpenter film, or it probably wouldn't even occur. It's a film that you probably never think about. Okay, go on.
1: Dark Star. Dark Star, of course, Dark Star. Yeah, yeah. yeah.
0: So Dark Star was uh, written by. Uh, was a short film that John Carpenter made with Dan O'Bannon. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, Dan O'Bannon is the screenwriter. Well, so Dan O'Bannon and John Carpenter—they made Dark Star. It was a short film that they made at uh, university. And then they expanded it into a feature-length film. And then, like John Carpenter and Dan O'Bannon, they fell out when they when they made it. Dark Star is about a crew of astronauts that find Blue an alien. Collar. Uh, blue-collar astronauts that find an alien, bring it on board their ship, and get picked off one by one. Dan O'Bannon went off to write. Anyone? Alien. Dan O'Bannon uh, wrote Alien. Uh, he wrote and directed Return of the Living Dead. Uh, he wrote Total Recall. Uh, Dan O'Bannon is, I would say. An unsung hero of Hollywood. He's one of my... He, like. Whenever I see him interviewed on an Alien retrospective, I always feel so angry with how everyone shafts him. Mm-hmm. It's like, you know, uh, Ridley Scott was, did incredible things with Alien, amazing stuff with Alien, but fucking hell, Dan O'Bannon is the one that got H.R. Geiger and the material together, and he also yeah. got um, the other... Fr- it wasn't Morbius, Mobius. That, Mobius, yeah, because he
1: was... He, was, um, he worked on... He was one of the, as a writer, he did some work for, because like in France, people appreciate these things a bit more. So there's a you know French magazine called Metal which is heavy metal. Yeah, heavy metal. And, uh, and they would be like, oh, wow, we've got, we want this guy to write some of our comics. So they would get Dan O'Bannon to mm. team up with um, like Mobius to do um, to do comics. So when all these people are looking for people to, to work on things, like, I mean, there's a lot of it in that. Uh, jodorowsky's dune mm. but a lot of it that comes via dan o'bannon as well so he's this guy who's going this is the guy you got to get to design all your stuff because he's this incredible eyes." and so dan um,
0: o'bannon was the guy that basically went right right so hr geiger is going to design the alien and the alien world and mobius is going to design all of the future tech and the spaceships and the the logos and the helmets and everything like that although i think someone else came on board there is another. i think there was someone well, that yeah. did it like mobius-esque But Dan O'Bannon's the guy that put all this together as a package and and I think he bought it to Ridley Scott and then Ridley Scott was in love with H.R. Giger and then basically um, influenced kind of like all of like the Prometheus movies and everything like that. Uh, But but, but this is stuff that Dan O'Bannon brought to the table and Ridley Scott later didn't necessarily take Mm. credit, but also Walter Hill did the same thing. They basically wrote, they were like going, yeah, well, the script for Alien was rubbish and you go kind of (laughs) like... I would I would say that the script for Alien was elevated by Ridley Scott's direction, but he wrote the thing. He invented the burster. He kind of liked to do They, like, everyone wants to take credit, and he's kind of like you... Like, Walter Hill has done so many things, and Ridley Scott has done so many things. Would it hurt you to throw a bit of love Dan O'Bannon's way? Do you know what I mean? It's just mm. like, I feel like it, he's dead now, and it's kind of like, um, it's not fair the way he's been sort of, like, written out of... Written out mm. of movie history, but I think also on top of that, he didn't get on with John Carpenter, so may, <laughs> m- maybe he was difficult. I don't know. Anyway, Dark Star was uh, was was the original. I haven't seen it. I'm looking for it. It was his the first oh, yeah. film. yeah,
1: I've I, I've seen it. I've um and I like it a lot. I think I was going to watch it again recently because um it came up on that video archives podcast that Quentin Tarantino and Roger Avery do. And they were talking about it in, like, in sort of ways that made me really appreciate it more. Um, But it's not like, again, I'd describe it as fun. It is John Carpentry. But also in that way that I would feel like, like Alien doesn't feel like a John Carpenter film. But the idea of blue-collar astronauts feels like a blue, like a, totally like a John Carpenter idea. Even though it's a, like via Dan O'Bannon, it obviously is a Dan O'Bannon idea. Well, I mean, but like, that fits in with like that kind of guys who are just basically people sat um, essentially we went in a world where we've got astronauts and these are just crew of a, of a spaceship, and they're just guys who sort of smoke weed and read comic books or whatever. That feels very kind of John Carpenter, and this right? is nineteen seventy four. This is seventy four. And
0: So, kind of Alien was seventy nine, Star Wars was seventy seven. Mm-hmm. Star Wars had that lived in thing, which um, you know, lived in future l- aesthetic, where um, everything looks rusty and broken and and fixed, yeah. and, 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 and and you know, like you can see like the tape on stuff where they've fixed stuff, and um, and that's where Alien kind of like got it, that's that aesthetic from. They were like, oh. Let's do sci-fi like that. Whereas Dark Star was seventy-four, and it was kind of like, yeah, that's where that kind of stems from. Um, and,
1: it's, and they're doing it, I think, from more of a counterculture point of view, almost a bit like, hey, wouldn't it be cool if there were these guys in space Hippie, who were hippies just hippies in space
0: with long hair, and, and they're in space and they're doing like janitor work.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think I think Dark Star is one of those ones where uh, next time I watch it, I expect it to shoot up my list of where i put it you know.
0: but also if you look at that like the, the the alien in dark star like so dark star and alien have almost like like ve- very similar plots the dna from alien is in dark star but the alien in dark star is a joke is um yeah it's a beach ball that's been painted mm. and dan o'bannon painted the beach ball yeah.
1: and, and i and, mean and, that as in it's a joke within the film as well it's not it's not like it's bad. It's played for laughs.
0: It's a bunch of guys that are being killed by an inflatable beach ball, yeah. and it looks like a beach ball, and it's been painted to look kind of alieness, but it's a beach ball, and you can see that when Dan O'Bannon was putting together his his next movie about you know, with the same plot, he was like going, "Well, it's not gonna, it can't be a beach ball. The alien has got to be the thing," and that's why he went because of Dark He went and found H.R. Giger, and he was just like, "Right, that's what the alien's going to be." So, right, that's, I'm excited about seeing this because mm. I've, I've obviously grown up with it. Number eight. Um, 1984.
1: Talks about oh, it last Star week. Man.
0: Starman. Starman. Uh, if you want to hear what we think about that. that yeah, Starman's
1: a funny one for me. I know, I think for you now, it's right up there, right? I think
0: it's. Uh, no, no, no. When you mix it in with all of this other stuff, okay,
1: it's, I, it's, it, it's
0: not better than the fog. Mm. But what I would say is, as a, as a gateway, an entry point yes. for kind of like the. And if you need to, if, if you're like, what's a John Carpenter movie? Watch Starman. All of the lighting, the aesthetics, yeah. you know. But this is John Carpenter. Starman is John Carpenter with a budget. I actually spoke
1: to someone at my work this week. It just came up a conversation. He was going, oh, did you see that John Carpenter was 75? And he said something. He said, oh, "The thing I always think about John Carpenter is how much he loves helicopters." And I went, "Yeah, we're talking about helicopters in Starman last week.
0: Starman. The a, thing opens with yeah, the helicopter. Escape
1: from Escape from New York. Escape from New York. Um, escape just, from LA has a submarine, doesn't it? Um, uh, and I just thought, oh yeah, I think these are like. I think he's got like because he said he says, I was at Q and A and someone asked that question said, you appear to he goes." In all these films, you see a lot of helicopters. Do you love helicopters? And apparently he was like, and it was almost like he'd never thought about it, and went, oh, God, I love helicopters. And he then just started going off on how much he loves helicopters. Oh, wow. So I think he's a fan, but almost doesn't really, he, didn't realise. never, he hadn't realised himself.
0: Well, I think it's like, I don't think Quentin Tarantino deliberately puts feet in his yeah. films. So anyway, only someone someone's that like, oh, yeah, goes, yeah, I do, yeah. Yeah, I do, I love feet. Oh. My, sh- yeah. My shame <laughs> is there for everyone <laughs> to see. All right, number seven.
1: Um, seven, 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 seven. Escape from New York
0: no. I think Escape from New York is populist That's going
1: to be right up yeah. there Oh, Assault on Precinct 13 No um, We've talked about it loads Yeah, I'm just trying to place where Big Trouble in Little China No uh, And I think you're, you keep saying Big Trouble in
0: Little China But you're completely underestimating not only how good Big Trouble in Little China is, but also uh, not, how, I was how to... much everyone loves Big Trouble in Little okay, China. OK, I think
1: that's my issue, that I think I that this list does feel like Big, it's a bit more with on a cou- my level. With
0: a couple of trims, yeah. Big Trouble in Little China was on primetime BBC One on, at yeah. uh, six o'clock on a Saturday night. When we were growing up, like all the way through the 80s and 90s, all the way through the 90s. Big Trouble in Little China is a staple, and our generation grew up on that film on TV. That is no way going to be number seven in the top ten.
1: Elvis.
0: No. We've literally talked about it loads.
1: 1994. 1990. Oh, In the Mouth of Madness. Yeah, In the Mouth of Madness. I thought that had already come up. No. I think, yeah, because we have been talking about it loads. (laughs) Okay, that's good. That's a good placing for that. In the Mouth of Madness
0: is weird because it's kind of like uh, uh, John Carpenter making a movie about a Stephen King-esque writer. Um, and it's kind of... It's a combination of John Carpenter, H.P. Lovecraft, and uh, Stephen King. Um, and uh, But that kind of makes it sound shit. What I liked about... I think In the Mouth of Madness is almost a little bit like... Um, uh, it's... It, it's almost like uh, a North by Northwest caper movie where um, you've got Sam Neil that goes on a cross-country kind of and Sam Neil is loads of fun in this film. He's it's like it's got kind of like a dark subject matter, but the film is like light and fluffy and enjoyable and just an easy watch. Yeah. There's some real creepy bits in it. The special effects are great. I
1: love the Lovecraftian elements. It's to got it. sort of meta elements to it that could feel like. This could be, like, there's lots of. This could almost be made by David Lynch, and play as a David Lynch film. Right? Yeah. Except, yeah, yeah. This feels totally. Where you would be like, and at the end, you'd have to have a real think and go, how does that all fit together? And this is really straightforward, and yet it's it pl- it's got that kind of yeah totally like. Where are we now? What's reality now? Yeah. Where, where are we? And it's got real
0: surreal moments. There's yep. that guy that's on the bike that basically looks like John Carpenter. Terrifying. The guy on the bike goes round and round. Like, everything in the car, the bit when uh, he wakes up on the bus and everything's blue. Like there's, some, there's real weird stuff. But I would say, when you're talking about like, this was a low-budget thing, I would say that this film kind of straddles yes. the gap between something fair. like Prince of Darkness and... Uh, village of the damned yeah where village of the damned is cheap and and basically it's a sci-fi movie or tv movie and prince of darkness is uh, a lower end um kind of gritty john carpenter movie and in the mouth of madness kind of like bridges that kind of it's got one foot in the aesthetic of village of the damned
1: i would say maybe i like it more because of this i saw this at cinema it was certainly the first john carpenter film i saw at cinema as like a new film um, again I went in not knowing what to expect and I think it, I remember it being like it wasn't well reviewed people weren't talking about it and I was absolutely blown away with it and I couldn't believe people weren't into it hey another little fact I don't know how this might I think this must be on purpose given um, given who it is uh, And I, but I've not heard anyone else say this so I don't know if this. I'm the only person who's noticed this that years ago probably 15 years ago they did a Howard Hawks rep- uh, retrospective at the BFI. And I think it's Howard Hawks's first film or a very early film which is now lost, but the BFI was showing, I didn't go and see it because it wasn't a complete film. They were basically showing what they had left of this really early Howard Hawks film from the from the 20s. And that film was called it was about a detective and it's called Trent's Last Case based on a book and the character called John Trent and I went John Trent is what Sam was called in *In the Mouth of Madness*, and I went, "Gotta be, it's
0: and, gotta and be." And *In the Mouth of Madness* is about uh, a book that, if you read it, you go crazy. Mm. And um, and so they're kind of like hiding the book or getting rid of the book. And it's kind of and isn't Charlton Heston in it? Yeah. God, fucking hell, Charlton Heston's in it at the <laughs> beginning, isn't he? <laughs> fucking hell. In the Mouth of Madness, I think, is 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 great. I watched it recently. It was advertised a lot on in comic books yes, in yes, the mid-90s. And That's I remember seeing I, I didn't think the poster was particularly good. Uh so it didn't like suck me in. I never saw it until maybe four years ago, five years ago. Um and uh and uh, not that i avoided it but didn't, it didn't it didn't even look like a john carpenter film f- through the marketing and i've become like a lot more you know aware of that sort of stuff as i've got older but um but yeah it was advertised a lot and it kind of looked like a very dry kind of boring film about about mental <laughs> mental issues because it's about madness and it's, i don't know the the the, the title didn't didn't do anything for it, like nothing about it did anything. And then when I actually, I saw it because it was a John Carpenter film that I hadn't seen, but I was led to believe that it was rubbish. And then when I watched it, it was like instantly better than stuff like Prince of Darkness, at the time The Fog, because I hadn't re-evaluated it, Christine. uh, You know, it was like, it was right up there instantly with some of the films that I liked the most. And I was so happy to have seen it. Um, and now
1: I love rewatching it whenever I do. Number six, sort
0: precinct thirteen. Yeah, not a lot to say about this.
1: No, I think it. Fe- I mean, it feels like I like it a lot less than I know a lot of friends do. Who love Carpenter films. I got this. I don't dislike it by any means, though. I th- just think it feels like uh It feels like he's on his way. Do you know what I mean? It's just like yeah, you're on your way to being John Carpenter, and it's got you know. It has that bit with the kind of shocking bit where he kills the, kills a kid. And kills a and kid. It feels, you know, like it's got that siege thing. It, it feels like it's it's in the it's in the DNA. It's totally the, re- the, the reason, DNA. Of the
0: reason he m- makes all these siege movies is because he's in love with Rio the, Bravo. Rear Bravo by Howard Hawks, mm. right? And um, and Assault on Precinct Thirteen is uh, uh, nineteen seventy six. Um, it's really low budget i got it for free on the front of a magazine on vhs um, i like it i feel like it's got a lot more in common with maybe something like the warriors which is uh, i always think that walter hill and john carpenter are quite similar to each other but i think it's i don't think they are and i think it's really i think it's really because of the warriors and this film
1: it really kind of in a way it has that same feeling to me of that kind of american low budget American independent horror, but, but see, it's not. It's none of its playful life It's quite a, a serious movie. It feels, in a way, like um, a Romero Dawn of the Dead or Night of the Living Dead. It takes itself quite seriously.
0: Yeah, really seriously. But, and, but like you say, like the opening shots with the little girl buying the ice cream and then she gets shot by the gang, and you know, uh, I mean, you know, it, it's about a, uh, it's about Precinct Thirteen and they 're closing down for the night they they 're moving they 're relocating they 're in a bad there 's a police precinct that 's in a bad part of town, and they 're relocating to another part of town and uh, and this is the this is the last night where they 've got a skeleton crew and they get invaded by um this this gang it's interesting to see how many of these movies have been remade mm. so this this had uh, this had a
1: uh, like a Hollywood remake with Ethan Hawke. Yes, it did. I
0: never saw it. And, and uh, no, I never saw it. Uh, who, who else was in it? I can't think it was.
1: It Ethan Hawke was who I was going to say.
0: Mm. It was Ethan Hawke. Was Lawrence Fishburne in it?
1: Was he? I can't remember. I never saw the movie. The
0: original. I never saw it. I never saw it, which is weird. So the fog got remade. Um, uh, Assault and Precinct 13 got remade. Halloween obviously got remade. Um, what else has got, has got remade? They've always threatening to remake Big Trouble in Little China, um, and um, yeah, and the thing got a got a, a remake slash prequel. Um, it's kind of you know, obviously people love his films. Um, okay, so where were we? Thoughts so on precinct thirteen, number six. So what's number five?
1: Number five. What is left?
0: Oh, they live
1: yeah gosh yeah I think
0: number five sure I think they live is one of them films where the, uh, um, it takes ages to get going and um, and the ending runs out of it's like they spent the money day by day like like you can see it minute by minute and then by the end of the film it's kind of like they've ran out of money it's like it's like they made it in real time and, <laughs> and, and at the end of the money it's like Oh, you gonna it's kind of like a really weird kind of uh, damp squib of an ending but the middle of They Live has got all of the iconic stuff in it it's got the consume and obey stuff in it it's got the aliens Uh, it's got the sunglasses, it's got the 8 minute fist fight with Rowdy Roddy Piper and uh, uh, Child's, what's his name, Keith David or David David. Keith? Keith Keith David? Yeah. Not David
1: Keith? No, Keith David. David Keith? You've made me Keith myself. David. Keith David. And um, that bit's brilliant. I mean, that bit is brilliant. Yeah, yeah the middle section is brilliant. I, remember I, I, I I They Live feel... It's so prime Carpenter that it, it elevates itself by just like... part. The joy of They Live to me is almost like it's almost the most John Carpenter, John Carpenter movie. And yet, I don't think it's as good as lots of the other ones on its own merit. Yeah. Uh, but it's so joyous to watch
0: well like i say that beginning the opening yeah. is a slog it takes about 20 minutes to get yeah. to start getting really good um kurt russell substitute rowdy roddy pipe is in it it turns out john carpenter was a huge wrestling fan so he was like i, I want to make a movie with this guy but for it looks like kurt russell was busy and then he and he went for a guy that wasn't even an actor
1: yeah and it's
0: like, but no, it was all by design. It's all deliberate. He wanted to work with him.
1: I uh, yeah, it was. That's I always assumed that. Like, oh, it's a shame. And, and I still feel like if Kurt Russell was God, in if it, Kurt Russell was in this.
0: I remember the first time I saw They Live. I didn't know anything about it. I knew it was a John Carpenter film. I saw it in maybe the late nineties or maybe the mid two thousands. I remember I was in my uh, my I was at home in St Albans in my bedroom, and I watched it in my bedroom. And uh, it would probably be like two o'clock in the morning and I was watching it on late night TV and I didn't know anything about it. And so when the fight scene happens or when the fight scene starts, you don't know the significance of, of what's about to happen. But it's, it's basically, if you, if you, don't, if you're not aware, I just remember thinking at one point, fucking hell, this is going on for a bit. <laughs> <laughs> It's an, it's 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 absolutely
1: fucking ridiculous. And I guess because he's a wrestler, right? That's why they've done it.
0: Yeah, they've done it because he's a wrestler. Because because John Carpenter wanted to showcase Rowdy Roddy Piper's fighting skills. It was like this is a guy. He's not a he's not a, he's not a stage he's not a screen fighter. He's not like he doesn't need a stunt man. He can do all his own stuff. And it's him and Keith David, and they've choreographed this fight, and it goes on for. Eight minutes, and it's and the fight is all about Rowdy Roddy Piper trying to get Keith David to try on a pair of magic sunglasses, <laughs> and that go and it's this and it's this fist fight that goes on for eight minutes, and like you just think, wait, well, minutes no, I isn't think- that long? When you're watching two guys just systematically just punch each other, lift each other up, and throw each other into cars for eight minutes, it's like they get really tired. Halfway through, he says, "Please put the sunglasses on." He goes, "I'm not putting on the sunglasses." Wallop, and it's fucking ridiculous. I,
1: I would say that Rowdy Roddy Piper, for me, not being a wrestling fan, I, I don't think he's, I don't think he's a good actor. I think he can, he works in this film, but partly because he's sort of he's sort of rubbish in it. Although it's a shame. Like I say, I would I think- love to have seen Kurt rust in it, but. The fact that scene exists only because of him makes that worthwhile. Yeah, I think. Whereas I think 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 it's such a great idea for a for a like almost like once you do it, it's like it's such a brilliant idea for a scene as well. Just the idea of why not just have it go on and on and on. But I don't think they
0: deliberately went. Let's not have it. I think he just thought this is a showcase. It's just like but it's like why not just put on the sunglasses? Do you know what I mean? It's Mm. like, um, I think you've been a bit hard on him. I think he's, um, I think he is, I think he's not a great actor
1: in this film. I think it works. But I think he's charismatic. Sort of. I think he delivers those lines kind of like he only half understands them. (laughs) He
0: almost (laughs) delivers that line. He almost delivers that, uh, I'm here to kick ass and chew bubblegum. And I'm all out of bubblegum. He almost says it like Peter Weller, in
1: robocop mm. you know dead or, like...
0: al- or alive you're coming with me it's like <laughs> it's like chris morris reading the news
1: <laughs> but i mean you get that with arnie movies don't you where he's saying jokes in some of the movies you go like, you don't you haven't worked out what that means. <laughs> do you think <laughs> you you don't know you've delivered a one-liner but you you haven't quite intuited why that's funny but, uh, and why but that's a joke arnold
0: schwarzenegger is the epitome of style over substance exactly he is like he is all charisma and <laughs> right. you forgive him anything <laughs> right. because you love watching him right
1: i think but i think um, i think probably exists in a similar realm
0: like there'll be bits where kind of like uh, arnold schwarzenegger is attempting grade school level acting and you're going yes that's right you can <laughs> do it you can do it you know, you look, you know, what was that film, Maggie? It's like the whole film is him just uh, uh, acting. And you're like <laughs> going, you can do it, mate. You can do it. And you get to the end and you go, God, he really did Drive. his best. Oh, yeah. <laughs> do you know what I mean? And Rowdy Roddy Piper doesn't reach those levels of, <laughs> of, of, of ability. And he doesn't have those levels of charisma, you know. But, like, he is, um, like, I, you, you're right because John Carpenter loved him and he fashioned this sequence around it. It's like it's it's one of the wor- it's one of the best scenes in any film ever made because it is so <laughs> absolutely ridiculous, unnecessary and just sort of like it's joyous where as it unfolds and goes on and on and on. Like they've they've spoofed it in South Park and in loads of other stuff. And you kind of like go, yeah, sure. So maybe it's been done to death. But when I saw it initially, I did not know that it was going to be as long as it was. And I remember, maybe I looked down and I, and because, and I, you know, it's a fight scene and it was going on. And I looked down and I just remember like looking back up again, going, are they still fighting? What? And then I was like hooked. I was just like absolutely in there. <laughs> okay. Now we're in the final, the final four. thing. Number four. Escape from New York.
1: Yes, <laughs> I know it now. Got to be okay. Escape from New York. Okay. Escape from New York. Would
0: I put it as high as four? I would. No, I wouldn't. I wouldn't. I don't. I. I. I don't. Um, not that I hate it, and it's obviously iconic, but like I said, a lot of the iconography they reused better in Escape from L.A. It's just in a much worse film. Um, I just don't. I just don't. I don't. It's very episodic, isn't it? And yeah. I don't. I, I don't feel like the story really hooks me in and um yeah I, I just think it's i just think you know like what who's your big bad guy isaac Hayes.
1: i'm kind of like yeah i'm not like i so, uh, yeah it does i think it's such a fun movie though and again it's a fun movie with moments of where well, it is quite serious it's sort of i uh, i put it very highly what i would say is looking at i've been trying to reorder this list in my own how i'd put it and i would say uh the thing about it is, I probably wouldn't put it as highly as I've put it, but what it has, and it's a massive factor, is Kurt Russell. Yeah, And there is the Kurt Russell, John Carpenter films, really do feel like they are special films.
0: It feels like they all should have been yeah. John Carpenter, Kurt Russell. That's, that's what I want, really. F- I want them all recast that, with yeah. Kurt Russell. And I will love In the Mouth of Madness, and I will love uh, Starman, and mm-hmm. I will love all The, you know, the Fog, and I will, lo- I will love Halloween. I will love all these films. But what I really want is John Carpenter and Kurt Russell just making movies together forever and ever. Yeah.
1: And what they did
0: was they made, how many? Four or five?
1: Oh, they've done... Uh, yeah, I suppose. What, uh... Two two Snake skins. One... The Thing, Big Trouble in Little China, Elvis. So
0: they made five, five films movies. together. Which isn't enough. No. But, like, Elvis isn't on this list, it turns out. All right. Okay, so, number three.
1: Number three will be... I'm going to say they will have gone for... Nothing controversial here. This no. Is, this is as it, This is Big Trouble in Little China. Yes.
0: Yes. This is... I think the, the final list is kind of as it should be but it's not my personal preference but i i can't argue with it big trouble in little china is probably um well obviously i would say big trouble in little china is my uh, is, in terms of enjoyment and how much fun and how much i love it and it's funny it is so funny like the you know It was really weird because I I watch old Siskel and Ebert reviews and um, uh, on on YouTube, and they were just like, "This is just special effects. It's just rubbish. It's like you've got this macho lead character, and it's like, and they, you know, they're saying like it's just all special effects and it's style over substance and all that." And Kurt Russell in this film is incredible. He is an absolute dickhead. And he's an he, absolute
1: dickhead. He is not the hero. He is not the hero. He is not heroic.
0: He's not heroic. He fucks everything up. Uh, he's a moron. Um, yeah, he, he he does the old uh, going into a brothel with a pair of glasses on yeah. routine that, uh, that Harrison Ford does in Blade Runner. Um do you remember in Blade Runner? There's a really weird bit where <laughs> <serious>. where where, <laughs> <laughs> where Harrison Ford pretends to be a nerd and he tries to gain access to a strip club or a brothel. You forget uh, about that, don't you? When it, you're talking
1: about Blade Runner, it's
0: so funny. It's just like you when when you if you watch Big Trouble in Little China and Blade Runner back to back, it's kind of like uh, yeah, it's the same scene, and the, for some reason, uh, Rick Deckard is trying to be uh, pretends to be a nerd to gain access to uh, to a brothel and then they do it in Big Trouble in Little China and it's so funny. Like, so, yeah, so like he's not the hero. Mm. It's a movie where, for all intents and purposes, he's the hero. He looks like the hero on the front cover. They treat him like the hero in the movie. And when you get to the end of the film, you go, hang on a minute, did he actually do anything heroic mm. in the entire film? The, the The bit when he kills the bad guy... It's an accident, almost. <laughs> yeah, um, like, it's
1: a reflex. It's all in the
0: reflexes. It's all on the reflexes. So he's not even responsible for like saving the mm. day in the end. David Dunn
1: is the hero. In really. the, he's in a the heroic b- character
0: in the big battle. You know, as a kid, this is why it appealed to me because in the big battle at the end, he like fires his gun in the air as a warning yeah. shot, and a, and a, and he he, looses. <laughs> he shoots a hole in the ceiling, which falls down on his head and knocks him out for the whole of the fight. Yeah. And then when he does get, he, when, Comes he, when, when he does come round. He stabs a bad guy and the bad guy is wearing so much armour and it falls on top of him and he's, like, stuck underneath the bad guy trying to get out from the... <laughs> and it's like, meanwhile, there's all this wire foo fu, kung-fu stuff happening where everyone's flying around and, like, shooting green shit out of their hands and it's just so fucking... Or, like, um, what's really funny is when uh, Lopan Pan... Um, uh summons up his spiritual uh spirit, like there's these two spiritual demons that are fighting each other and lo Pan is controlling one of them uh and yes. uh is it Egg Shen that's controlling yes. the other and when they're controlling when they're controlling them they're like doing it like they're playing on like yeah. a like a video game they've got but 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 you take it at face value when you're a kid yeah. and when you're older you go this is all ridiculous. It's so funny it's, oh, I well, just, I, I love it. I, I grew, love it so much. I grew up <laughs> with it and. I think we all did. I think it was like one of them films. It feels like it was on TV yeah. every Saturday growing up in the I 90s. I
1: remember getting our friend Hayley Campbell to watch it. Uh, I can't remember what she'd watched. And I said, and she'd never seen it. I went, you've got to watch uh, it. When was this? Uh, ten years ago. Right. And she hated it. And I, in my head, I just couldn't even like intellectualize how you would not not yeah. like it. And so I just think I'm aware that some people don't enjoy it, but I can't work out how you couldn't. I don't
0: understand why you couldn't. Enjoy it. But I like. I but, but I, I think also think. Brilliant. I also think at the beginning when he's in the because it was originally it was meant to be a western, mm-hmm. and it was uh, it was about a guy that um, loses his horse and he's trying to get his horse back, and then they didn't have the budget to make it a period piece, so what they did was they set it in. Uh, real, and it was meant to be in like the Chinese district in uh, in kind of like eighteen hundreds mm-hmm. America, and then so what they did was they they turned it into like it's it set in Chinatown in San Francisco, and uh, rather than a horse, he's trying to get his, uh, his his truck his truck back, and there's there's some really creepy bits right at the beginning when there's those two try uh, uh, two clams that are fighting each other, and. Um, and that's a great. And he gets blinded by the light. He runs over Lopan, and Lopan, and the light comes out of Lopan's eyes and mouth, and it blinds Jack Burton, and he's trying to get like uh, rainwater in his eyes. And while all this stuff is happening with them, there's this huge tribal battle that's happening, playing out in the background of all of these alleyways, and they're trying to kind of like get away and help him see. So they're dealing with their main plot, but what meanwhile, there's this huge thing that's happening in the background, just out of shot. And then when they come back, all of these guys are dead. And it's just... uh, There's some really creepy bits in it. There's some really funny bits in it. The bit when they take the magic potion so that it makes them, like, really powerful and immortal. And then they get in the lift on the way down. And they're all, like, in the lift going, "Yeah, Hey, I'm feeling pretty good right (laughs) now. (laughs) And they're all just, like, enjoying their time in the lift.
1: uh, Like, even talking about it, I'm so buzzed about it. I love it. Yeah. And I've realised, like, you know, I, I... it's Kurt Russell. More and more, you think, out of everyone, he's absolutely my favorite. I just think there's something like he's brilliant. He's so brilliant in everything. I just think he is wonderful, and I love. I, I just love him. Yeah. I love him. I love seeing those. I love watching that little video where it's uh, uh, is he taking uh, is he taking Goldie Horn out to it's her birthday it's his birthday I've not seen it there's a little thing that popped up on Instagram and they're like like a year or two ago and you just want to go I love these two I love that and they're just they're, they're just being a bit like Oh, you and it's like, yeah, that's right. It's that, it's all that stuff about yeah, him. Absolutely. I just absolutely,
0: I absolutely go like, yeah, cast him a Santa Claus, make, yeah. make two films, <laughs> and have Goldie Horn be Mrs. Claus. That's absolutely exactly where overboard. Fucking hell, I never think about overboard. I and I think that's probably the plot of it has aged badly, mm. but the film, the content is, i I think, yeah, I think. Yeah, if you can get past like the initial plot point where a woman has amnesia and so a man forces her to look <laughs> after him and his family, <laughs> and sure, and so but but the, but Goldie Hawn plays as such a cunt that everyone <laughs> every, everyone in everyone in the amnesia ward is like. Well, he says he's your husband. Do you want to leave? Do you want to go with him? And then they basically force her out because she's been <laughs> such an asshole to everyone. Do you know who produced Overboard? No. Roddy McDowell. Really, he's in it, and it's like Roddy McDowell produced it. I just think it's such. But maybe Roddy McDowell and Kurt Russell have the Disney connection, where they grew up yeah. through Disney films together. I like but the idea; like, they're all pals. I, but I, I just think yeah. There's those photos of him and John Carpenter together. Uh, Empire did it in a uh, did a photo shoot yes. where Kurt Russell is in stitches yeah. and and. Uh, John Carpenter's there. If you ever get... Is a, it
1: for The Thing? On one of the, the, the... There's a commentary. The commentary for The Thing oh, is brilliant. Of, I, I find it so heartwarming where they're catching up. And it's like it's like you're just having... It, you're basically listening to a conversation with two friends that haven't seen each other for, for a few years. Yeah. And they're basically... They're meant to be talking about the film, but they're just catching up and talking about each other's kids. And it's really <laughs> sweet. It's and gorgeous. it's all like, Well, yeah. how are they now? How are they doing? Yeah. And it's like, oh no way. And it's all this sort of yeah. it's so nice and yeah. pleasing. Wholesome. And it's wholesome. It's
0: whole it's like you got the you got the you got John Carpenter who uh invented slasher movies and you know and <laughs> Kurt Russell who kind of like uh, playing like all these counterculture anti heroes and Carpenter's
1: and then, Carpenter's Republican, Russell's, Democrat, they've got sort of differing political ideas, but they're also in the middle, they kind of meet in the middle of this sort of they're both kind of pals and they both kind of Oh, it's lovely. They love stuff. each other. Lovely stuff. Yeah, I
0: mean there's that re- I've got a really good framed photo of uh Kurt Russell and um John Carpenter, on the set of Big Trouble in Little China and they're standing with axes and they've got their arms folded <laughs> and they're just like, oh, I love you two. You're fucking brilliant. Anyway, so that was number three. Number two? Halloween. Yes, Halloween. We don't need to really talk about no. that. <laughs> <do> we? <laughs> have we covered Halloween
1: on this? Podcast? <laughs> I Actually, know. How, how long we got? Another another four hours? We can just do a rundown of the, quick rundown of the... Uh, I mean, this was practice? a mistake because we haven't
0: even done the thing that we were going to talk about this week. Okay, uh, We've done... Coming up to... Two and a half, two hours. We've come out to three hours. Okay, we've well, done two hours forty minutes. Let's, so let's Babylon
1: this episode. <laughs> so, th-
0: so this is this is this, this is going to be a long one. It's John Carpenter's birthday. It's, Why not? It's John Carpenter's birthday, Bonanza. If you got everything, you got anything that you want to say about Halloween that's not been said before?
1: Oh, well, other than what's interesting is we've got this list and it's a fairy. We've done all the films and we're picking ones we think are all work and we can talk about ones we've missed in the future. I would say Halloween 2 and 3 for me are ersatz John Carpenter films. They don't feel like they're not to me. They're very much like even though has not directed them, they are John Carpenter movies for me.
0: Halloween 2 and 3. Mm-hmm. I it's weird because I remember not really being able to tell the difference between Halloween 1 and 2, but I'd never revisit 2. I used to I had a VHS with both of them on it. Um, Halloween one and two are all set in the same night. Halloween one uh, ends with um, uh, uh, Laurie Strode getting rescued at the end by uh, Doctor Loomis.
1: Spoiler! And Halloween two is set in a hospital later that night. Um, when so when you when you when you watch Halloween two with that in mind, it's mad. Cause when you think when you think like basically an hour ago you were being you were just about to be killed. Yeah, because the, they have the sort of romantic, romantic subplot, subplot where she's yeah. like, "Hello," and it's like, "Not now, not
0: yet." I mean, give she, it, give it a couple of weeks, give it an hour. Um, <laughs> yeah, and I think like,
1: uh, especially, well, especially well, Halloween three I think by, feels like well, a Halloween, John Carpenter.
0: Film. Halloween three definitely feels like a
1: John Carpenter film, um, and the fact it's not on this list feels like. It's it's a bit of an omission in a way, but no. that, that is a. Well,
0: it's not a John Carpenter film.
1: <laughs> well, it's not. It's not directed by Carpenter, but it feels, but it feels like, like a, a John Carpenter. Yeah.
0: It was written by John Carpenter, yeah. or, or, or he came up with the story for mm. it, or whatever it was. Um, I yeah, uh, produced by John Carpenter. Mm-hmm. Uh, Halloween three is the one where. And I think that they should have done this. And I'd be well up for an anthology series. Halloween three is the one where they get rid of, you know, they kill Michael Myers at the end of Halloween two, and then Halloween three is like a new story. It was rejected by the public, and then Halloween four was. Do
1: you know what? The return of Michael Myers. I'd quite like them to do that now. If they said to Carpenter, "You're basically exec producing uh, these films, and we want you to come up with an anthology that we'll do every year."
0: I think that's what Halloween ends was basically setting up and then they just shat the bed yes, at yes. the last minute and went like no nah, not really actually. I thought that they were I thought what they Halloween ends was going to set up was an in universe anthology series where it's like yeah Michael Myers is gone now but now there are all these other serial killers or whatever is occurrences are happening because they basically made it kind of um Supernatural by Michael Myers looking into the guy yeah, and and and, and transposing
1: guy, some evil into him.
0: The guy was called Corey and um and I don't think anyone's ever picked up on the fact that he's called Corey and Jamie Lee Curtis is called Laurie. And so like there's that there's that connection okay. as well. Like everyone was like Erin, is he the next Michael Myers? It's like no, he's the next Laurie. He's he's what would have happened to Jamie Lee Curtis had it gone differently that night. And that, that when she was babysitting the kids. Instead of protecting the kids, he accidentally killed one.
1: I didn't like the movie apart from the first ten minutes. Halloween ends, yeah, but I really like your uh, theory about it. I think that's really compelling and makes me like the idea of it more. I presume that's what they were going for. I guess that's what they're going. for. I think in execution it was terrible, yeah. but the first
0: ten minutes I would say are better than any of them. great, brilliant. Um, so with the with the original Halloween movie, what I would say that re- uh, so the difference between Halloween and Halloween two is Halloween was made. And then uh, uh, in 78, mm-hmm. and then Halloween 2 was like 81. Yes. And in the interim between that, Friday the 13th and, and Halloween had inspired all of these slasher movies. And so when they got to make Halloween 2, uh, I can't remember who the director was for Halloween 2. Is but it Steve Miner? Yeah, right. And uh, no, is it? I think it is. Who did Halloween 3? Uh, um, Tommy Lee Wallace. Tommy Lee Wallace. Right, so with Halloween two, um, John Carpenter basically filmed extra gore and inserted it into Halloween two, so that because he thought it by by that point, the gore level and um, mm. he basically said it was all very quaint, like the the violence in Halloween, and he wanted to amp it up to match stuff like Friday right. the Thirteenth, which was being made. What I would say about Halloween is um, it's it does a really good job of uh, making it feel like it's Halloween. It feels like it's autumn. Like, you you know, Mm. um, I think it's been pointed out quite a lot that it was filmed in like the summer and they had like a bag full of brown leaves and every time they did a shot, they just poured some brown leaves in shot um, and to make it look like autumn. But it does a really good job of making it feel like Halloween. Uh, And also, I really like all of the girls and I don't want to see them die. Yeah. Uh, and and also, I think uh, Laurie Strode does a lot of stuff that's right, and you're really rooting for her. And uh, yeah, and I
1: uh, and I I do I, I'm quite hard on it. I just think that I always think you're far too hard on it. I think I think Halloween is like I'm not I wouldn't even say I'm a fan of slasher movies particularly, but mm. I think Halloween is like by far the gold standard of all
0: of them. Yeah, but I feel like I I. I It's probably because I think that because John Carpenter will forever be associated with Halloween and inventing the slasher movie, I feel that it overshadows by a significant margin lots of his other stuff. Mm. And so I kind of, I don't resent it. I think it's brilliant. Every time I watch it, I think it's great. It definitely deserves to be in the top three. Mm. It's brilliant, right? Absolutely fantastic. I will only watch it once a year. Yeah. And I will watch it I'm not and uh, not a even every year. And I, I maybe I'll watch a Halloween movie in that franchise yeah. around Halloween, and it won't be like the, You know, I think, um, uh, last year me and my mum watched Halloween four together, and um, and and you know, I enjoy Halloween four. I, uh, you know, it's just that. I feel like it's been diluted and sort of taken away from. And even he kind of like isn't like a big fan of Halloween. He's just like, I like the money it brings in.
1: Also, I think there's an element to Halloween where Halloween has now become um, Jamie Lee Curtis's franchise. Yes. In that way that it wasn't before. And I think it now overshadows how brilliant uh, uh, Donald Pleasance is in that film and in every film he's in. (laughs) Yeah, I just think he's brilliant, and for a long time he was Mr. Halloween. That we've kind of rewritten, yeah, we've sort of rewritten him out of it. And but also, he's he's the man in Halloween.
0: Also, you forget, and then when you rewatch Halloween, because Michael Myers is they, they've never really like he's not an unstoppable killing machine, right? It's and I would say, out of all of them slasher guys, Jason Voorhees, I think is I would say Jason Voorhees is number one because he is a supernatural zombie that will be anything you want him to be in that movie. And that's how they've set him up in the films. Whereas in the Halloween films, you've got this guy, he's just a guy. He's just he's, he's a guy with mental issues, like mental health issues. Uh, and they've made him into this superhuman, uh, unstoppable, immortal killing machine mm. with, with supernatural abilities to transfer evil from... And you kind of like go, what? It's just a guy. It's a guy, and also what is often overlooked is that he's kind of like there's a method to what he's doing. He's kind of stalking these people. Like Halloween starts in the day. It doesn't start in the night. It doesn't start with uh, uh, just people randomly getting murdered in, in in their beds. He's he's stalking these girls all day, and yeah. there's a method to what he's doing. He's dug up he's dug up the gravestone. And he's put it on yeah. uh, on the bed for um, is it his sister's is his sister's gravestone? Yeah. So he's gone to the graveyard and he's collected that. Yeah. He's not like a mo- he's not like this mindless yeah. unstoppable. When you machine. think of the
1: last couple of recent Halloween films, there are people getting killed by um, Michael Myers who haven't even seen Michael Myers and don't because they get like knife through the back of the neck without even knowing he's there or it's just yeah he's mindlessly just butchering people
0: like at one point in Halloween he puts a sheet over his head and pretends to be a ghost yeah. with glass and he puts the glasses on yeah. over the top and you go well right in in any other Halloween movie that would be completely out of character yeah but
1: in Halloween he's playing games with them and he's the little boy he's the little boy he's that little boy at the start who hasn't who hasn't grown up it's and he's, playing. he's grown up physically but he hasn't. He's still a little boy,
0: and he's playing trick or treat with them. Hmm. You know, it's kind of like he
1: is pranking it's them. a play, it's, he's playing with them.
0: Yeah, and it's kind of like, well, you know, that the, the joy in Michael is really lost in a lot of the sequels. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, yeah, so I, I, I am, I, I, I guess what I'm basically saying is that um, it's a given that Halloween is one of the best, if not the best, John Carpenter movie. So you have to do a lot of swimming in the opposite direction to kind of, like, make yeah. a mark. And I would say that
1: the number one on this list is... And
0: what can it be? What could it be? <laughs> what do you think number one on this list
1: is? <laughs> is it... Um, uh, yeah, oh, this is Elvis, presumably. It is Elvis. Elvis. OK, it's the 19, <laughs> see you next week. <laughs> it's the 1979
0: <laughs> Elvis movie starring Kurt Russell as Elvis.
1: Uh, no. As it's the thing. It's the thing. And it is the thing. And it is the thing. We're going to find out who's the thing. I think it just is, right? It's just... It's it's, it's silly. It's almost silly to try and argue against it
0: well, it. well, it's funny. The reason why this show... And if you're still with us, thanks. The reason why this show is called the JCAS is because um, when we did our old show, Fan Club, just by um, uh, just by accident, we would just we would either talk about John Carpenter... Um, we wouldn't plan it like that. We'd have like a list of stuff we were going to talk about, but you would just come up in conversation every week. We talk about John Carpenter every week. He would come up in conversation, and if it wasn't John Carpenter, we would mention the thing every week. And it was like it started off as a bit of a joke, like we've mentioned the thing again, and
1: then we'd specifically say, "Okay, let's not talk about the thing this week." Yeah, and then inevitably at the end we would go, "We didn't talk about the thing," and then you would go, "No," you or Natalie would say, "No, you did. You said it in reference to," and you go. Right, yeah, we did, we and, did talk and, about The and, Thing. And like, even when we tried not
0: to talk about The Thing, we ended up talking about The Thing. I would say, by proxy, it is my favourite John Carpenter film. I think there's films like Big Trouble in Little China, The, uh, the Fog, um, uh, Daily... I think what the problem with The Thing, if there is any problem with The Thing, the problem with The Thing is that it's not a particularly fun film. I, mean, I don't even agree with what I just no, said. It is fun. There's some really fun bits. The in special, it. Effects, are the special effects are fun. The special effects are fun. You gotta be fucking kidding. Gotta be fucking kidding.
1: that that is actually? I think that is genuinely one of the best joke lines in any film. Right. Yeah. After that happens, and you just get this extended sequence of various incredible. It's not one monster thing it's like several boating creations becoming yeah. one monster into another one. Well, do you know what, As, as a payoff line, and the uh, get what? me out of this fucking chair line.
2: I'd rather not spend the rest of this winter tied to this
1: fucking couch! Yeah. Is, as these things go, they're both really... They're jokes as well. They're like gags. We've forgotten that this character is still How tied up. How long
0: have you been alone with that dog?
1: How long were you alone with that dog?
0: Yeah. So, but like, it's like... Um, <sighs> I, th- I guess what I'm trying to say is that uh, Kurt Russell isn't the fun one right Kurt yeah. Russell is the straight man yeah and um, and it's a real perform. it
1: feels like a real actorly it,
0: actor, it's so. a very internal yeah. performance and um, uh, yeah and when you look at it's not a larger than life performance when you look at Jack Burton in Big Trouble in Little China or Snake Plissken it's kind of like these are sort of like these performances that he's really chewing his teeth into and he's really enjoying and he's reveling he's reveling in these movies whereas um, he's kind of like he's got the whole film on his shoulders in the thing and uh, and you kind of like don't see the fun side of Kurt Russell so much um, and I guess that's probably why uh, um, th- that, that would be what I would mark against it and why I would probably say something like Big Trouble in Little China might be might just pip it to the post but I would say the thing in terms of filmmaking i think it is just fucking brilliant yeah i love it i love it i
1: love i love mccready though as a character i think it's incredible i love that he i love that thing that has long been spoken about oh do you know what he he calls a computer a bitch because it beats him but also that is that thing where like (laughs) and that's the film that in when he's put up against he's gonna lose so you won't lose i love that idea he won. Right, he, right. he refuses he's, to lose. He's
0: playing chess against a computer. computer. When the he's computer gonna... wins, so he destroys the computer. Yeah.
1: and it's that. It's that. And, that's how he plays the film. That's, all that's you, his character. That's what you need to know about the rest
0: of the movie. I
1: love all that it's stuff. Brilliant. It's so just like a tiny like bit of detail. It's brilliant. Um, I, I would also say, uh, the reason I started laughing a minute ago is because I realised I was about to use a phrase. I was thinking about the thing this week, and I just realised. That probably happens every week. That I take, I take five minutes out of the week to have a little ponder about the thing. I think about the thing on a
0: daily basis, <laughs> and I've got so much John Carpenter like pictures and, I, and and memorabilia and everything like that stuck around my house that. I can't walk into my <laughs> flat without thinking about John Carpenter because he's right there. I've basically, I've set up this work desk. We've got John Carpenter mugs. <laughs> we've got John Carpenter pictures. It's like we've got John Carpenter everything.
1: You've like, got uh, we've got a bubblehead Michael Myers. We've got a low pan uh, <laughs> pop vinyl. Pop vinyl funk.
0: Oh, that's what I. That's what arrived in the fucking post today. Oh god. Um, where did I put? Where did I put my? No. Where is uh, it?
1: All oh, right. The thing. The thing I'll just mention. <laughs> can you
0: talk about the thing while I go and find yeah. the thing that I bought? The thing. Can, you, get, can you talk about the thing while I, talk, <laughs> <laughs> while I go and get the thing? That I, you know, <laughs> right, yeah.
1: Is it behind you? Is that it? Um, oh, it the is. thing. That, the thing that I thought about this week in regards to the thing was I, I found myself getting angry when I thought about the idea that critics slagged it off when it came out. That thing in my head, I went, Siskel- that doesn't make any sense. Like, I was thinking, <laughs> by any metric of films, the idea that you'd watch it and go, nah. Siskel and Ebert, like absolutely hated it. It came it out the same ta- I know everyone says, oh, it's the E.T. effect. It's like, I don't even buy it. How, what it, is it, it, about ca- this film it, that you don't like?
0: It came out the same year as E.T. and everyone was like, oh, they like nice aliens this year. I, exactly. It's like, it's not even, it's not aiming for the same audience. No. No one's going to see ET and then going, oh, there's another film about aliens called The Thing. Let's go and see that. No, it's not the same. It's not. It's, n- it's not the same thing. I don't, if you're a critic going it. in
1: to see it blind and you're going, what is it? It's a monster movie. Okay, we're going to watch a monster movie. What what it delivers is this incredible piece of drama for two hours, and then you go, you. I don't think you can legitimately. Be you, you're not judging that fairly if you're going to go, rubbish. Yeah. I thought I was so... I I got told I was going to watch a monster film. And he's like, is it a good monster film? Yeah, it's basically the best one ever made. Yeah. <laughs> um, is it... Oh, is that all it is, though? Just a bit of a monster film? No. It's this incredible kind of psychological thriller all about people locked together and paranoia. trust in each other. And yeah. it's just this thing. It's like, it's perfect. It's so great. The idea that anyone would be like, nah, well, it's probably got a bit of a disappointing ending. No, yeah, it's one Every, of the best endings yeah. of all time. It, and it all hangs. It's so, it's so good that I got angry thinking about it in the week. Like, who are these people? Yeah,
0: yeah. <laughs> I, but I, uh, all I can imagine is that it was the most disgusting film that anyone had ever seen at that point. Right. It was the most graphic, disgusting, horrific film anyone had ever seen up to that point, and it made people feel sick and then people had like this reaction to it where all of the special effects and the creature effects it completely overshadowed anything else in the film you know it's got dogs and their faces split mm. open in half and then a, a monster comes you all know what I mean? the it's like it's it, it's like um it's like it's really it's really gross and uh, and it's a gross out movie and uh, at, for its time now when you look at the special effects they're beautiful. You just like go, God, you made them by hand. It's fucking you. You, you froze the set. You put them in like basically a meat locker till the point that you could see their breath, and then you, and and so that when they're like walking around and you can see them
1: breathing, like that's real. It's not a special effect. If I can move away from John Carpenter slightly. N- no, you can't. I just want to say, what's in, the <laughs> watching in. what's in the box? What's in this box? What's in the box? <laughs> um, so um, in the box that arrived just before the recording.
0: Now, bearing in mind that I bought this, I thought this was going to be much bigger. Okay, <laughs> um, but I've got. I bought. I bought that.
1: Oh, that's nice though.
0: It is nice.
1: Now, do you want to describe it? It is um, uh, a politician from the film They Live, as. Um, What's it made out of it's called a turntable spinner minifigure it's basically a bust it's very well made yeah and how tall would you say it is I would say that is four inches tall um, it's very well uh, molded as these things go it's a nice uh, and also it as very it's very um um very movie accurate uh, it's a very well liked
0: I've, I've literally just opened this box yeah. as well, and it says thank you for your purchase uh what it is it's um uh,
1: i can't remember how much it cost I think it cost how much would you put a price on that I would say that has cost I think it could be quite expensive it's very well molded quite good quality. I would say that would might be twenty five pounds
0: <sighs> more, more than that <laughs> It was so expensive. It's four inches tall. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's really Joe, well it looks. Detailed. he looks a bit like the the pho- Richard Madeley. <laughs> the photo looked like it was about a foot big, right? Right. I thought it was like a glove puppet size, right?
1: Okay. And I actually, yeah. So that's what I thought I was Is going to do. Is it more than, I said 25. Is it more than 35 pounds? Yeah, it's
0: an embarrassing amount of money that I'm not going <laughs> to, and I got it from America, and it's been shipped over. This has come in the, th- in the thing. Um. Uh, from the from the person that yeah that sent it, um, I bought it on eBay. Did I buy it on eBay? Or did I bought it on Amazon. You're not
1: going to tell me how much it was then. I can't. Is it limited edition?
0: It is limited edition. But you've indeed.
1: also got limited edition number 007
0: yeah. for James Bond. Fans. Yeah, for James Bond fans. I mean, it's it's ticking you a really lot of boxes need, uh... right now. <laughs> oh God, I, I, does it say? Is it, I've got proof of payment. Do you
1: know how much it was in your own head?
0: I, i've got like is a ballpark figure i've got a ballpark i think i uh, do you know what it is is that it costs a certain amount of money and then it um
1: oh did you get charged the and tax then it on would it would have
0: been it would have been uh the import tax no i think the shipping would have cost money yeah so i think the shipping has basically doubled it oh my um it's expensive right uh, but It's I'm, nice. I bought it so it could sit on it's a shelf, a and and we can look at it while we talk. Uh, sorry, the viewers at home or the listeners at home, you will never see it. Yeah. But uh, it's so
1: ba- basically, because it's there and it's influencing what you say on the desk that we record this of, presumably that's tax deductible. <laughs> oh yeah,
0: it's all tax deductible. <laughs> all of this stuff is tax. This oh, this is the other new edition that I bought for the table. Uh, let's see.
1: Uh, is this little Star Wars man?
0: Hello. It's Bubba Freak, uh, the only good thing
1: about uh, The Rise of Skywalker. Do you know what? That character, I delete. I I looked at it and went, I've never seen it before in my life. I love him. He's Bubba, what's he called? Bubba Freak. Bubba Freak. Bubba Freak. Bubba Freak. Bubba Freak. Bubba Freak. I, I don't even remember that character.
0: Oh, he's, uh, he he is the one that wipes uh, C3PO's memory. In the oh, yeah, he yeah. does kind of ring a bell. Uh, God, it's weird, isn't it? That, no, not that, really. That I, that. Would have blocked, I would have blocked that film. I've seen it three times. I've twi- seen it once. Twice well, at the it's cinema, mad once that once I've Sally. seen it once. I saw it twice at the cinema. I saw it once at the cinema, and i was like, oh, no, I've got to go and see this again now, because we'd already booked tickets for Boxing Day. And then we went to see it again. It's like, okay, right. Uh, 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 and then... Um, and then we watched it um, over lockdown when we watched all of them but fuck me so there's a letter that's come with this Mm -hmm. it's going I'm going out on a limb that this is the same Nick Helm I've been crazy about since first stumbling on the show Uncle here in the USA it is so hard to see a lot of your work and in the UK I have to say (laughs)
1: isn't it on UK Netflix now? Uh
0: it's on iPlayer. iPlayer. Now. IPlayer, iPlayer. But it. like my short films aren't any, oh, I don't know it's impossible to find But But basically I, like I never did it. Here in the US it's hard to f- see a lot of your work but for the past 10 years anything I can get amazon.uk to ship to the USA I have. Just want to let you know your work is loved here in Stockbridge GA where's that? Galveston USA.
1: That's a nice thing, isn't That's it? It's
0: really nice. Um it is me. Listen to the fucking show. Um, uh, there's no there's no uh, regions on uh, podcasts, is there?
1: Everyone can listen to it. Yeah, of course. So, yeah. all
0: right. So, just to wrap up, this is what I think I have solved the ending to They Live. Mm-hmm. We've done this, haven't we?
1: No, I thought we did this in the They Live episode. No. Okay. No, that
0: w- that was when we talked about the sequel. Oh yes, yes. Sorry. Yes, 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 yes. This is what I think I think I have solved the the, the Day Live has one of the uh, the the best, but it's what 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 is it? It's like uh nihilistic. Mm-hmm. It's got a nihilistic ending where there's two survivors and neither of them know there's um there's McCready and Childs. Mm-hmm. Keith David, David Keith. Keith David. <laughs> and uh and neither of them know if the other one is the thing or not. Mm-hmm. And uh and like Keith Davis says something like that, so what are we going to do? And then uh, MacReady says, well, we're just going to sit here and, and wait and see what happens. And then they share a bottle of uh, JB uh, whiskey together. And they like MacReady drinks it, and then he passes it over to Childs, and then he drinks it. Um, so there's a scene earlier on in the movie where they are talking about their food. And they're like saying, right, well, what we're going to do is we're all going to keep ourselves to the cells. We're going to eat uh, our own tin food and uh, we're, gonna, uh, we're only going to eat stuff that's been sealed, right? And we're going to just basically, you do you, I'll do me, and we're going to eat out of cans, right? And there's a bit halfway through the film where MacReady is doing a captain's log and he's talking into his microphone, into a little handheld microphone, and he's telling people, he's drinking whiskey and he's t- talking into the microphone about, um what what they're dealing with and how all the men are losing their minds and then there's a noise that happens off camera or he finishes his thing and he puts the microphone down and then he gets up and he leaves the bottle of whiskey on the table and it hasn't got a lid on it and he, he hasn't got he hasn't put the top on it and he just leaves and the camera hangs on the bottle of whiskey on the table, right? Okay. So Kurt so Russell gets up and he walks out the door and then the camera just leaves it on an empty room and all you see is a bottle of whiskey and the microphone on the table right? and then at the end Kurt Russell's got the same bottle of whiskey and he's drinking out of it and he's giving it to Childs and I think that the whiskey is infected and that they are both becoming the thing at the end of the film
1: that's a nice idea that does kind of make sense
0: that's nice it's not something where it's like fan fiction where you're making something up no it's all supported by stuff that they've said in the film mm-hmm. about like keep, keep your food like, you know, yeah. um, uh, sealed and only out of sealed containers and don't do anything like that. And then, uh, and then you actually see him drinking whiskey out of a bottle and then leaving the bottle and he doesn't put the top back on it. And the bottle is now alone in a room that nobody is watching. And that's what the whole film is about. It's like, don't be alone. Uh, as soon as you're alone, that's when the thing will get you. Yeah, don't trust anyone else. And he's left this bottle in there. And then at the end of the film, and it, it, even it's even to the point when you watch it, he says, I guess we're just going to wait here and see what happens. And then as he says that, he takes a swig out of it and the label of the bottle comes into shot and you see it as the same bottle that he was drinking out of earlier. And he hands it over to Charles and he drinks out of it. And it's kind of like it's timed just so that it comes into shot as he's saying it. Now, they've never said that that's what the ending is, but I think that it would be crazy. I think maybe... You know, there's loads of people with theories about what like the ending could be, and it's like, oh, well, uh, there's not... a you, you can't see light reflected in uh, in uh, MacReady's eyes, so he's the thing. Or you can't see breath coming out of Charles's mouth, so he's the thing. Uh, and I don't think it's any of that. I think that that's like... Um, I don't think that's true. You can see the breath coming out of both the mouths, and one of them is sort of like slightly shaded, uh, so um, uh, so there's not like a reflection in their eyes. But I think that you can see a reflection in their eyes in one of the shots. So it's not like a consistent rule across the whole of that ending bit. Where well, they don't. One of them doesn't breathe, and one of them doesn't have any light in their eyes. That's not a thing. I think that they both do at different stages. So that's not that can't be the rule. So, I think what the ending is, is that uh, it's not a case of choose your own adventure, what happens next, do they just wait to be rescued? It's a case of they're both goners because they are drinking an infected drink that has the thing in it or I has it. I, mm-hmm. I, I think, think that makes sense. And I think, think, think that's it, a, I think a, a th- something
1: that's implied, like that makes sense as something that, by everything you said, it is something that's implied within the story and is paid off as a a nice little thing if you're paying attention. There's a specific shot
0: of the bottle of whiskey on its own. It, like Kurt Russell puts the whiskey down, gets up, leaves the room and the camera hangs on the whiskey for, and it's not like the sp- focus of the shot. It's an, It's just an empty table with a bottle of whiskey on it. And, um, and then he leaves. And it's kind of like, well, he put that in the film. He left it in the film. And I think maybe they know what the ending is, but they're not going to tell you what the ending is. And, and, and I, I've never heard anyone guess that. And mm. it was only the last time I saw it, I was like, "That's what it is. That's that's the ending. I've solved it. That's the mis-. So, uh, if you've got to the end of this three-hour uh, Happy Birthday, John Carpenter uh, <laughs> well, uh, epic, do? Should I just... then 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 there's the Easter egg. So, you know, uh, tell your friends that's
1: what the ending of the thing should is. Should I just do a rundown of the order I've been putting them in? Yeah, let's. Um... This was this is how I done it. So my number eighteen is the Ward probably unfair I haven't seen it but yeah. I just suspect it's not it's not that unfair it's much for muchness at that point Village of the Damned okay Memoirs of the Invisible Man yeah. vampires Escape from LA Prince of Darkness Ghosts of Mars Assault on Precinct 13 Dark Star Starman They Live The Fog Christine Escape from New York In the Mouth of Madness Big Trouble Little China Halloween
0: I would probably swap Ghosts of Mars with Escape from LA, and then once you get to uh, Prince of Darkness, was it Prince of Darkness? Then Ghosts of Mars? Mm-hmm. Well, I think once you get to Prince of Darkness, they're all pretty good. Yeah, uh, yeah, and then and then and then the ones beyond that, what, fifteen to eighteen, or fourteen to eighteen, they're kind of like they're not like hard to sit through; they're just not very good. Mm. you know they look cheap some of them look cheap and kind of like it's a bit like oh, I don't want to see I don't want to see you like that but um, <laughs> you know
1: yeah great okay um, would you like to play a game of what year have we got time
0: yeah okay uh, we've got to it's part of the format um, <laughs> <laughs> what, what year? year what year
1: It's the game in which Nick Helm has a series of questions in which he has to answer what year what year What year did the sitcom Mork and Mindy start?
0: I've got to say, my brain is melting. (laughs) Uh, Mork and Mindy, spin-off from Happy Days, I would say 1978.
1: Two points! Count, you count. Two points. Um, What year did the film The Last Starfighter come out? Uh, 1983. One point, 1984. Oof. I get one point if I'm a year out.
0: Yeah. How many questions are there? Ten. Ten.
1: What year was Sandra Bullock born?
0: Oh, okay. I think she is older than nothing. Yeah, I was, I was
1: surprised. Um, 1962? 1964. Ooh. Zero points. No points. What year was Stephen King's The Shining published? 1978 1977 oh, One point, one point. It's Good though What yeah. year well, uh, Sorry The Beatles album Sgt Pepper's Lonely Hearts Club Band Was released in what year 1969
0: 1967 Oh my god Oh of course it was Because that was the beginning Of the end When they started doing Their weird stuff What year <laughs> Did the final episode Of MASH air? Oh, I don't know, 1970, no, 1980, 1982. 1983. I
1: didn't know it went that late.
0: At one point. One point. I kind of vaguely remember everyone being sad about it at the time. Have you seen it? Uh, No, I don't know if I have seen it. I know, I know that, I know Radar died.
1: SPOILER! it's bleak. It's a proper, considering it's a sitcom, as possibly the bleakest ending. Of but the it's sitcom. not just a sitcom. It's like it's
0: like a sitcom with one of the most um, one of the most unavoidable. What's the word I'm looking for? It's a, obtrusive. Not what is it? It's a. What's the word when you're like you know but, butting in?
1: It? Is it obtrusive? Yeah. It's like
0: the laughter track on Mash. Is yeah. Like well, also
1: in the UK, sometimes it had a laughter track and sometimes it just didn't. But when it didn't, it's like there was a long
0: pause after every gag. Yeah. And it's like, and Alan Alder's basically Groucho Marx, just like doing all these. Gra- yeah. He yeah, sounds like. I don't like think
1: Groucho I realised it was a sitcom if it had a laughter track in
0: one week. What is this? The laughter this is track is just awful. Uh, yeah, obtrusive. Um, and it was based on the Robert Altman. Mm. So it's not like it's it's weird.
1: Star Trek started in what year? 1966. Correct, two points. What year did the film Rocky 3 come out? 1983. 1982. What year did Teletubbies first appear on British television? 1994. 1997. Oh, bloody hell. What year did the characters Wallace and Gromit first appear? Creature Comforts was late 80s what it it be 1989 Interestingly Creature Comforts and The first one, is that grand day out mm. Were both nominated for an Oscar In the same year, gutted wow. Must be gutted, Released them a year apart Did they win? They won I think for Creature Comforts Right. Wow you know, What's his final score? Oh, is that it? That's it.
0: So overall, I got one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. I got eight out of twenty. You've Gotta be fucking kidding! Appalling I, I think it was a harder one this week. It was week. really hard, and they're going to get dip more, more and more difficult, aren't they? Uh, yeah, I'm
1: yeah, damn. Yeah, <laughs> it's going to get it's going to
0: get worse. It's going to get it's wow. going to get worse before it gets better.
1: So I think we've now we've made a one that is longer than the film Babylon.
0: I think it's longer than. Uh, Every single John Carpenter movie put end to end. Um, well, sorry about this, guys. Um, but if you've got to the end, my God, write in and tell us. And that email address again is <laughs> Nick and that. Nat Jcas at gmail dot com. That's N I C K A N D N A T J C A S. At symbol G G-M-A-A-I-L dot full stop C O M C-O-M-, com. com. Meet free Mondays, yeah. So um all that's left is to say, uh, I appreciate
1: you now. I appreciate you, I appreciate the audience who've listened to the end. <laughs> later losers later. <laughs> Hey you listen to the end, later,
0: later losers. <laughs> <laughs>